Thank you for tuning in to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. We're a church in Lakewood, Washington, and whether you're listening from around the corner or from around the world, we're glad that you're here. We hope this sermon equips you to be the Christian the world needs today. If you'd like to learn more about us, head on over to lakewoodgrace.com. And now, for this week's sermon. Good morning, little church and Lakewood Grace. It is so good to see you and to be with you. And as always, you are in the right place. There is no other place God would rather have us to be. You know, Pastor Brad said earlier uh, in his prayer that nothing happening today is catching God off guard. And nothing happening today surprises God. But, hey, God, we're, we're kind of done with surprises this year. Uh, no more surprises. Uh, it's been quite a year. Well, in the midst of all that, uh, the text for this morning for us comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. So listen now to God's word to you and to me from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking to the the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You know, the text this morning begins uh, with the phrase, The end of all things is near, and certainly in the last couple of days, it might have felt like that as we look at the sky and the and the crazy colors of the moon and the and it may certainly seem that way. But, you know, here's the interesting thing. Peter writes and it's not just Peter, it's in Paul's epistles, it's in the Gospels. This theme of imminent return, the second coming of Christ. The end of all things is near. Now, ever since this was written to the church by Peter, almost 2,000 years have passed since this was written. The end of all things is near. Isn't that kind of a problem? If the Bible is true, And we have been saying the end of all things is near for nearly 2,000 years. What's up with that? Now, the context, uh, I think, and some historical understanding of how we came about the New Testament is helpful here. Now, before the New Testament was canonized, meaning the church agreed on the 27 books of the New Testament, 
That happened in the third century, about 323 AD. But long before the third century or 323 AD, uh, long before that, right around at the turn of the first century into the second, right around about 100 years AD, the four Gospels and almost every single epistle, letters written by Paul and Peter and uh, John, almost all the epistles were already accepted by the church as scripture. Now, it wouldn't have taken much during this time at the early stages of the New Testament church for someone to say, hey, you know, it's been like 50 years since Peter wrote, the end of all things is near, and obviously we're still around and Jesus hasn't come back. It would have been so easy at that time for someone to remove such statements from the New Testament, not just in 1 Peter, but again in Paul's epistles and in the Gospels. It would have been so easy to just get rid of such phrases. But the early church didn't do that. In fact, they chose to keep it in. Why is that? Well, that points to a couple of things about the New Testament that you ought to know. First is the trustworthiness of Scripture. Instead of, hey, listen, this is so important. Instead of erasing and ignoring parts that are uncomfortable to us, the New Testament church said this is God's word, and then they figured out a way to adjust their lives, their thinking, into what the scripture has to say. How marvel of an idea is that? How, how novel of an idea is that? Even though the scriptures make us uncomfortable, they adjust it to the scriptures. Now, the second reason why they kept these words in is the New Testament church believed these words to be true. You see, when a slave or a worker knows that their boss is coming soon, it changes their behavior. It changes how you work. When you know that the boss's imminent return is near, it impacts how you behave. It impacts how you work. And the message of the New Testament church is that every single generation of Christians are to live as if the master, the Lord, is returning at any time. And that understanding that the Lord is returning at any time impacts how we treat one another, how we work, how we serve, how we worship, how we live. Every generation of Christians are to live as if Christ is returning immediately and imminent because this is not our home, because we are citizens of another kingdom, because we are exiles and aliens in this world. The imminent return of Christ sets the setting for how we are to behave and act. Now, our text says, the end of all things is near, therefore, 
be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Now, remember, the New Testament church that Peter is writing to in Asia Minor is going through persecution, and it would only get worse. Things were going to get bad. And he says, therefore, be clear-minded, serious, sober-minded, and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. You see, in this life, we will all face storms of one kind or another. And this year, we've had our share. And here's the thing. When storms come, you can either panic or you can pray. And what Peter is saying is, hey, be of sober mind, be of serious mind, be clear-headed, keep your head together. Nothing happening today is outside of the control of a sovereign God. You are never outside the bounds of God's grace and God's love. Keep your head in this, gang, and pray. And when storms come, church, you can either panic or you can pray. And Peter says, keep your head, church, and pray. Now, there are four characteristics of living as if the master's return is imminent. Four characteristics. And we see that in verses 8 through 11. First, he says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Above all, this is the most important. This is the thing that frames everything else that we do as Christians. Because the master is returning, you slaves of Christ, you servants of Christ, above all things, love one another deeply. For love covers a multitude of sins. Now, this phrase is a quotation from Proverbs, but it, do, it does not mean Hey, uh, wink, wink, I know we're all sinners. Let's give each other room. That's not what this means. It doesn't mean to cover up or hide one one another's sins. It means to love in such a way, to transform situations so that the multitude of sins which were present before we knew Christ are now, because of Jesus, taken out of the equation in how we love one another because all sins are forgiven. That's what that means. It doesn't mean we, we, we ignore and make light of sin. No. In fact, we take sin so seriously and we take the disruption of sin so seriously, we're going to actually name them and then I'm going to forgive you and you're going to forgive me. And that will transform our relationship in such a way that the multitude of sins is a thing of the past. That's what that means. So instead of fighting and squabbling, we can now live together and work together. But you know, because we are human, because we are sinful beings, still now, even though we are saved, all kinds of things are bound to go wrong. But there's no need to despair. Keep your head together. Abandon the old ways and learn the new habit of love. So above all, since the master is returning... Slaves of Christ, love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Secondly, 
offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, the word for hospitality here literally means the love of strangers. It means the love of the other. And in today's world, I can't think of something as more poignant, needed, and necessary for the church to remember than this call to hospitality. The love of the other, the love of the stranger. And listen, church, this word hospitality, it's not talking about tolerate one another. Tolerate the Trump supporters. Tolerate the Trump haters. That's not what this word means. Be hospitable to one another. It means to love with a genuine welcome of those that we disagree with. Although everyone outside these walls and although everyone who doesn't know Christ treats those who disagree with us politically as enemies, you Christians love the other in such a way that in your love you honor Christ in the way you honor Christ's children, hospitable to one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. It means particularly to love those who are not like you. It means to love those who vote differently than you. It means to love those who think differently than you. You know, we are in another election cycle. And as your pastor, I'm not interested in who you are voting for in November. But as your pastor, I am absolutely invested in how you're going to treat people who vote differently than you. Because that's how you honor Christ. Because the person who votes for Trump, votes for Biden, is a child of God for whom, when God thought of eternity, could not imagine spending a moment apart from that child and was willing to send his son to the cross to die for that individual. And should the church allow our political ideologies to trump our love and obedience to Christ, we are all in trouble. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. And we do that by being hospitable to one another. And this has nothing to do with toleration. It is a genuine love of the other. And it, it's worth noting that the root word for hospitable is hospice. And this word refers to both the host and the guest. And check this out. This is so beautiful. The Christian idea of hospitality. Whenever two or more are fellowshipping, practicing hospitality in Christ's name, as an outside observer, it is impossible to identify who the host is, and who the guest is. That's Christian fellowship. When we were, are to look into 
the conversation and the way we treat one another, it becomes impossible to distinguish who the host and who the guest is because you know why? Anytime we gather in the name of Christ, Christ is our host. Practice hospitality, not just mere tolerance, genuine love, genuine hospitality of the other, of the stranger. The third characteristic is, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with, a, with whatever gift each of you has received. The word here for the gift, uh, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve one another. Gift is charisma. It's talking about our spiritual gifts. It's talking about all that we have received from God, and it includes both our talents, our abilities, our, our, as well as our material, wealth, all, everything that we have received from God. And the understanding is all that we have received from God, use it to serve one another because we are stewards. Stewards. We do that as stewards. You know, um, in the NIV, it says faithfully administering uh, God's grace. And that's a good word for steward. Uh, because you see, the word steward literally meant, uh, if you go back to uh, the beginning of how we got to the word steward, it literally started as sty warden. You see, back in Scotland, the way the word sty warden became steward is they recognized that as the, as Farmers who farmed in different lands started living in villages. And more people started congregating in little cities and, and bigger cities. What they realized is that some people really had a gift in farming uh, potatoes. Some people really were great at growing corn. Some were really great at raising pigs. And so what they did was, instead of everyone trying to grow corn and wheat and and uh, raise pigs and be mediocre at everything. They just said, okay, you're awesome at growing corn. You grow the corn for our village. You're awesome at growing uh, wheat. You do that. And you're awesome at raising pigs. So you raise the pigs. And you're the now the sty warden. And you manage all this, all these pigs. But recognize you are only administrating. You don't own the village's pigs. You're only managing, you are stewarding it on behalf of others. You are Christ's steward. Everything that God has given you is not yours for your use alone. You are a steward, a sty warden. On behalf of God, manage, faithfully administer and the purpose of all that God has given you is to serve one another. Love, above all, love one another deeply. Love covers a multitude of sins. Practice hospitality and be a faithful steward. Finally, we are told, whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies all we do, all we say, do it knowing that we represent 
Christ through our words and actions. And we do all this, and all of this, the four characteristics, we do all that so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. And here's what Paul's getting at, or Peter's getting at. Live such beautiful lives that the people around you cannot help glorify God by watching the way you live, by, the watch, by watching the way you've received the stranger. Live such beautiful lives that people around you cannot help but glorify God. In the end, what will make the difference in our country that is divided by politics, divided by race, divided by ideologies is how we love. And if we treat other people the way people who do not know Christ treats other people, shame on us. We have to be better. For Christ forgave you and me. Practice hospitality. Love one another. Use your gifts to serve one another. Live such beautiful lives that people around us will thirst and long for the glory of God. What an apt word for today. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for all that you've already done. Oh God, we are living in some of the most divisive times that I can remember in my 50 plus years of living. We are no longer able to even have a conversation to genuinely hear the other. And it's not happening just outside the church. It's happening in the church. These are people we love. These are our brothers and sisters. Forgive us for the times we utter such statements as Christians can't vote for Trump. How can a Christian not vote for Trump? God, forgive us for making statements like that, for judging your children. Lord, use your church to be the beginning place of bringing healing to Lakewood, Tacoma, University Place, Fircrest, Stillicum, DuPont. Use the little church and Lakewood Grace to be agents of healing in Puyallup, in Pierce County. God, we need another way to live and treat one another than the way we've been doing. So forgive us, God. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for mistreating your children. And Lord, bring healing to our land. Friends, this word is for the church. And if you've never received Jesus, that's what you got to do first, is receive Christ. And so I invite you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and become his slave. And in that slavery, you will find freedom. And the way you do that by is, is by saying, Jesus, forgive my sins. I receive you as Lord and Savior. I now choose to obey and follow you and submit. If you've said that prayer, welcome to the church. 
you let us know and we want to journey with you. We want to walk with you and we want to help you live out your Christian faith. Lord, uh, and for the rest of us, and this is a needed word today, love one another deeply, church. Practice hospitality. Use your gifts to serve one another so that we can live such beautiful lives that people can't help but glorify the God we serve. Have a fantastic week, church. We'll see you next time. Thank you again for listening to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and then head on over to lakewoodgrace.com slash connect where you'll find a link to contact us or you can fill out a communication card. Have a wonderful week. God bless.